Hello and welcome to this GCP short produced in collaboration with Swiss Free Corporate Solutions and all about innovative captive utilization in the Asia Pacific region. Joining me over the next 40 minutes is Andre Martin, Head of Innovative Risk Solutions for APAC at Swiss Free Corporate Solutions. And we discuss whether changing market conditions has impacted the appetite for captives in the region, how a captive opens up many more risk financing options for corporates, and if a boom in captive formations is just around the corner. So, Andre, great to have you on to the Global Captive Podcast for the first time. To start off with, have you seen the insurance market conditions re-energize the interest in captives and alternative risk transfer in Asia for both existing captive owners and interest from new captive owners? That's certainly a trend uh, that we have been observing over the last uh, two years in particular. I mean, if you think back in this situation where we have the hard insurance market, which which actually has been compounded by the lingering effects of, of the pandemic, we certainly see an increasing number of risk managers looking towards the ART market, the alternative risk transfer market uh, for solutions and also alternatives to to complement their traditional programs. And captives or captive-like structures are certainly on top of the list. And this is because they have actually proven to be a very effective instrument to navigate the volatility and the, the insurance market cycles in general. Now, I think the biggest or the largest benefit that, that we see uh, with having a captive is that it provides a corporation a very good way to optimize their self-insured retentions uh, and on a group level. So that means they don't have to pass on just higher deductibles to their local operating units. And, and this trend is certainly what we've seen in, seen also here in Asia. I mean, the many corporations looking into captives, be it for the formation of new captives, but also much more so what we're seeing is a more effective utilization of their existing, but still sometimes dormant captives. So, and, 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 and coming back to these two points, I mean, if, if companies already have a captive, then definitely there's a trend to increase retention, uh, be it on existing programs or assuming more classes into their captives and, and just reducing the risk transferred into the commercial market and thereby mitigating the price volatility. On the other hand, uh, there is certainly interest and, and we've seen an, an, a number of new captives being formed. Although I have to say that once we have seen a number be, uh, of captives being established, I mean, I think the big rush of formation has not yet materialized here in Asia. Yeah. And I think this yeah. is certainly uh, coming. I mean, it's, it's certainly something that we will see over the next couple of years to come. I mean, which very exciting about the next couple of years, what we're seeing. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think you're right, Andre, that we haven't seen that kind of moment where it, it clicks and you do get that big rush. And it, I've got no idea what that number would be to kind of define that, that rush of new formations. But I think you're right that I think it is coming at some point. But I, I also think we've been saying that for many many years regarding Asia Pacific. But you, you, you think maybe there is a tipping point coming that, that, that it, will, it will click and, and, and we will see much more activity. Yes, I mean, definitely. I mean, if you think, I mean, the fundamentals uh, are pointing to, into that direction. I mean, globally, I think we have around, let's say, six and a half thousand uh, captives and only 6% of these captives are, actually have parents yeah. in the APEC region. And that's, I mean, comparing to 86% of these captives being from the US and, and, and Europe. So, I mean, and, and having, I mean, 40% of the Fortune 500 companies are actually Asian companies. I think this this demonstrate that, that I mean, Asian corporations are still quite underweight when it comes to the captive world. Yeah, no, I agree completely. So do you think that this market environment the, you know, the hard insurance market has focused risk managers and businesses on 
um, more alternative risk transfer options and, and captives? Is, is that what's going to ultimately be the thing that does drive them to, to pick up captives more? Spot on. I mean, that's that's really what we're seeing. I mean, if you think, I mean, or what what we we experience is 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 really this this current disruption, how we'd call it. I mean, the hard market. You have the the, the pandemic, but then also and and quite a number of 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 Connecticut events in this region has certainly been a trigger for many risk managers to fundamentally rethink their insurance programs and and really look into ways how they can future proof these programs. I mean, in particular, when we look at the, um, at the pandemic, I think that has made many risk managers more, would say, risk alert. I mean, many companies have been taken by surprise a bit by the severity and the extent of this pandemic. And they are going now through their risk registers and looking if they are not other exposures that they might have underestimated, overlooked, and which are not covered by their current programs. So I think in many cases, I mean, the current environment has become a catalyst for a risk manager to ask themselves if their current insurance program is still fit for purpose and not only for today, but also looking into the future. Now, I mean, one thing that we are observing here as well is that in Asia, I mean, there has been a bit of a tendency to renew insurance programs year after year after year. I mean, practically unchanged and sometimes really for, for decades. And uh, maybe a few tweaks here and there, but uh, this has happened whilst the company itself has evolved, has changed, has grown, and uh, and the whole world around it as well. So basically, they're facing a very different risk profile, but the insurance structure fundamentally is still the same for years, uh, for many years. And uh, so in short, I think um, what I would say is, is many corporations might have uh, outgrown their insurance programs. And the current disruption is, is really, an, uh, as I said, a trigger point and, and, and it forces risk managers to rethink existing insurance programs. And a lot of that thinking goes into captives, virtual captives, and, and, and just optimizing self-insured retention in general. I think that's really interesting that you kind of say that many companies in, in Asia Pac would have kind of outgrown their insurance program just by kind of standing still and not changing it to, to match the kind of changing company they become or the changing environment that they operate in. So I'll ask you this question about new and emerging risks next, um, Andre, but I think we've touched on it a little bit already. And also I imagine regarding your last your last um, statement regarding kind of companies outgrowing their insurance program, maybe they're not as intent on addressing these with insurance as maybe they should be, but have new and emerging risks also given companies kind of new ideas or, or should be giving companies new ideas of, of how they can utilize a captive? Yeah, exactly. And, and and it has to do obviously with the whole changing in corporate world. And what I would say is, is really, I mean, the hard market is usually a catalyst for risk managers to consider captives, but it's not the only one. And what we have seen is really uh, what we think is, is also that captives can be very effective incubator for these new and emerging risks where the commercial market has no or very li- limited appetite for. Um, as an example, I mean, if you look at the, the global economy, I think um, there has been certainly a very fundamental shift in the corporate world over the last decade uh, from asset heavy to asset light. So companies are deriving more and more of their revenues uh, from intangible assets, like, for example, uh, intellectual property data in general, rather than from their physical product, uh, production facilities. And I think the insurance yeah, sector as a whole has, has not been the most proactive in, in addressing these changing needs. And this is really mostly um, regarding these, these non-physical exposures. Now, if you have a captive, I mean, such emerging risks, which are still largely uninsurable, can then be 
pooled or warehoused in this captive on, on really on a group level rather than being assumed by the individual operating units and then can be also managed on an aggregate level. And the prime ex- classic example for this is actually cyber risk. And, and therefore, it's also not su- no surprise that cyber risk has actually been the fastest growing class written by captives over the past five years. And uh, once uh, it is in, I mean, once the captive has assumed this risk, I mean, they still can, I mean, they can on one hand, they can retain it, but then they can also go out and see um, or access the reinsurance market directly and see if there are any tailored, more alternative, innovative risk solutions for protection. And one type of solution that is certainly becoming more mainstream and, and very effective for this intangible exposures is basically these parametric or index-based insurance, which is certainly becoming more and more prominent. So, Andre, once a a company has a captive in place, then can you maybe explain how it actually in practice unlocks? some of the different risk financing options? I mean, one one thing that we have seen is really that, for example, the captive can then act as a buffer, actually, between the protection they provide to their business units and and what they can basically purchase on the reinsurance market. So, I mean, give you an example. So let's assume you have one business unit with with a net cat exposure, which just can't be insured in the commercial market. And the classic example would be here, a storm exposure for transmission and distribution lines, which is a classic exclusion most treaties. Now here the captive could, for example, issue a very bespoke policy to their business unit and then purchase in the back uh, reinsurance production for Typhoon on a parametric basis. Like this, the, the captive would actually assume the basis risk and shield the business units of this exposure because captive is capitalized to do that, whereas the business unit itself doesn't have the capital strength to, to basically take this basis risk. Yeah, really interesting uh, example actually there on, on the parametric side. Nice to see uh, parametric highlighted and how, how a captive can be used to, to kind of issue a parametric program. Can you also outline, Andre, a few examples of where captives have been used in in different program structures to unlock more capacity or or provide broader coverage that was maybe not available in the commercial market? Yes, I think, I mean, the most common structure that we see here in Asia is is really for the captive to to just go out and retain more risk to retain a primary layer and then pushing up the attachment point for the commercial access markets. And this then usually creates uh, or unlocks more appetite from the commercial insurance and allows the captive to basically to optimize the overall capacity that is available from the market. Now, by participating in the primary, I mean, it also signals to the commercial market that the corporation is is very convinced about the risk quality itself. And having this skin in the game, I think, makes the overall program more attractive and can then unlock or makes uh, unlock more capacity at, at more competitive or more attractive prices. Now, but apart from only unlocking capacity, I think by retaining the primary layer, I mean, the captive is also much less exposed to uh, external market volatility or an overreaction of the market uh, after a loss, because usually this this volatility affects the primary uh, layers much more than it does on the excess layers. And as I said before, I mean, depending on the capitalization of the captive and and risk appetite, then the captive still can go out and and, uh, has the option to purchase, um, for example, a sideways protection in form of stop loss to protect its own capital um, against 
an unusual frequency of large lossal, for example. And usually this is then done on a multi-year basis to really smooth also any market volatility over over a longer period. So Andre, we've talked about a lot of the advantages of, of how captors can be utilized by companies in, in the Asia-Pacific region and why we hope that there might be more captive activity in the near future. How about some of the, the challenges then or, or key considerations that companies have to make when ex- when exploring the non-traditional program options what are some of those challenges that are kind of maybe unique um, or specific to the asia pacific market from a general argument that that it's it's around the maturity of the asian insurance market but i think the main challenge that we see here is i mean on one hand the gap in education but then also a general resistance to change i think uh, no risk manager wants to be the first one to try out something new and then maybe fail uh, but i think that's not only uh, like for for asia i think that is something that we 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 encountering everywhere yeah but yeah. here I would say that things are moving. I think it's it's certainly, uh, I mean, we, we do a lot of information sessions, but also due to the fact that the current market volatility is just forcing risk manager to reevaluate their insurance programs. I mean, maybe two examples here. I mean, one is really when it comes to parametric insurance, for example, we see certainly that these, these products or these solutions are moving from exotic into mainstream. There's more education, there's more promotions, uh, more players entering into this market space. And I think the strongest argument uh, that we see is, is really we have more actual cases and examples where parametric insurance has actually been triggered, has paid out and has demonstrated the real the benefits and the value. So risk management becoming really much more comfortable to give it a try. When it then comes to captives, I think there's uh, there's still somehow a bit of a a misconception here um, or in many Asian countries that captives is all about tax optimization and it's only for the biggest companies. So here, I think the main challenge is really the the education information. And it's good to see that the the captive centers here in Asia, like Singapore and Labuan in particular, they certainly have uh, been ramping up the efforts in in raising awareness, in running uh, seminars and also attracting more captives into the region. This is certainly what we're seeing uh, uh, the effects in the past uh, 12 months where we've very much seen an uptick in interest and demand for both. On one hand, in fronting services, so basically allowing the captive to really uh, channel the, the risk into the captive, but then also on reinsurance protections behind the captive. Great, Andre. Well, it's been uh, fantastic to, to have you on to the Global Captive Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, thank you to Andre Martin at Swiss Re Corporate Solutions. If you'd like to find out more information about Swiss Re's captive services and Andre Martin, please do visit Swiss Re's friend of the podcast page at the globalcaptivepodcast.com website. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives. Mm-hmm.